Hello and welcome to the 23rd episode of We Ain't Got No Podcast. We Ain't Got No History's one and only Chelsea podcast. I'm Ram Srinivas and with me is Jimmy Funnel. Hi, Jimmy. Hello, Ram. How are you doing? I am doing okay. I had a I had an interesting deadline day from a professional perspective. It was basically waiting on to see what kind of deals Swansea were doing from an outgoing perspective. So did did, did you see did you see Borja Baston go to Aston Villa? I did, yeah. I did. Yeah. Uh, I was already thinking, ah, oh, Ram doesn't like him, so they chucked him. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean, I I said nothing of the sort. But yeah, that was generally quite interesting. There were there was a lot of activity happening on the Swansea front. I think they uh, Tom Carroll left Barabasta and went to Aston Villa in a very random turn of events. And yeah, a bunch of players went out on loan. So that was interesting. There was a lot of activity there and it was all quite fun to observe. Nice to be part of as an actual person involved in the line day. So that was cool. But as far as Chelsea were concerned, there was basically nothing, was there? <laughs> Well, basically nothing. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's no other way to uh, say it. Uh, yeah, there some was, uh... flashes of hope, but I, actually, wasn't it like a, about? Well, we're, we're an hour ahead, but uh, about two p.m. British Standard Time, where yeah. there were like the messages on Twitter coming out from oof, several sources. That's it. You know, ninety-five percent. Nothing's going to happen. Well, actually, it was earlier because then Lampard also, if I'm not mistaken, right. said, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it looks like we were obviously trying to sign Mertens, but then that didn't go through. Mm. And did you read Did you read the story about Salomon Rondon being offered to us? I did. Yeah, <laughs> that, I was, did. that was crazy. Would, would you have fancied a punt on Salomon Rondon? That's a very good question. Um I mean, the first reaction of every Chelsea fan you'd expect would be, uh, if he is cautious, let's say like this, hell no. I mean, yeah. Sandman Rondon quality-wise isn't anywhere near uh, Chelsea standard. And if we're completely honest, if we're going for that kind of bulky, very physical... Um, Battering guy, top, yeah, yeah, battering ram kind of guy. Then we might as well stay with Giroud because he's integrated in the team. He's a great guy, great character. Um, okay, he hasn't got the speed yeah. anymore, but um, it would it would nevertheless nevertheless be a better deal basically than you know signing Salomon Rondon even if it were only on loan. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, I mean, of course, those rumors are going to come in. I'm sure you will have had. I read several rumors revolving around Swansea incomings yeah. that yeah, maybe yeah. you will have known. Hmm, that that doesn't sound like anything that we were doing or uh, we yeah. were recommending. <laughs> so in that regard, I mean that's just silly season, as David always writes in the yeah. articles on Wagon History. So in that regard, yeah, there's nothing unexpected. It was just not unexpected with who we were linked to, but it was unexpected that we didn't sign anyone because I just really generally until the very last second or until I read 95% sure that we're not going to sign anyone, I was kind of um, in the belief, yeah, 
we're going to sign someone because that's been regularly the case over the last few years that at some point we did sign someone if we needed someone be that quantity or quality wise yeah, so yeah you're right i mean what what I, I, you will have had to do a lot but what what were your perspectives on on the last day from a chelsea perspective now <laughs> yeah uh i didn't really expect anything to get done to be honest because quite frankly the names that we were linked to were all not very awe-inspiring apart from maybe Edinson Cavani although it was pretty clear by perhaps a day or two prior to deadline day that that was never going to happen for one reason or another conflicts over the length of his contract whether why would Atletico I mean why would PSG want to loan him in the first place if they were just going to lose him for free in the summer was it I mean do they really value a paltry loan fee considering that they're PSG. So there were a lot of factors that suggested that Cavani was probably never going to come. And that was by far the, the signing that made the most sense uh, in a short-term perspective. So maybe the writing was on the wall, you know, that we were just not going to sign anyone. Uh, the, the fact that we were linked to a few late attempts at Dries Mertens in itself was very random, mm-hmm. uh, quite quite strange. Uh, I don't know what they were hoping to go for with that one. I just I don't understand it, to be honest. But, you know, whatever. But just on a tangent, the fact that we were offered Salomon Rondon is just very reminiscent of what happened to Manchester United, wasn't it? <laughs> because they were, they were offered Odeo Nigalo, of all people. Odeo Nigalo, who, who scored... I think he scored 40 goals in 100 appearances for Watford. He was he was not bad in the Premier League. I think one season he was really good and then the season he before was, he yeah. left to China, he just he went really quiet. He scored goals in China. I think he was the top scorer at the Afcon as well and United ended up getting him and that was just that was just incredibly random to see Odion Nigalo of all people return to the Premier League with Manchester United of all teams. Um that that was actually quite similar to to Rondon. They, they're both 30 years old. They're both in China. They would have been random mm-hmm. punts to take for, I think, six months on loan. But, yeah, the, there was... Maybe maybe it just comes down to that's where we are as a club, as opposed to Manchester United. I'd like to think that in whatever situation we're in, we're probably, we probably seem to have more of a semblance of a plan than Man United as of now. Because they went... <laughs> they were scrambling for strikers yeah. at the end, weren't they? They went from making two bids for Josh King uh, to to then signing to signing Igalo um, at the eleventh hour. They didn't even have a medical for Igalo. He they they just deemed him fit to play. Clearly, they, they were just very desperate. And whilst we also yeah. wanted a striker, we weren't desperate, and we were we were unshakable on the stance that we would only bring someone in if he improved the squad. And you will know that. Uh, that's something that I would agree with. So I'm okay, I guess. We have, we're still stuck with Michi and we're stuck with Giroud, but maybe maybe Lampard will give Giroud more of a chance now. Do you, do you think so? Now that he's, he's going to stick around for the next six months? I mean, that's a really difficult one because, I mean, 
normally I'd say, why would he change now? Because he has clearly not favoured him. And also against Leicester, he wasn't on the bench. Um, the thing is, he was he was always kind of earmarked to leave, wasn't he? Because we were we were nearing January. And the thing is, if he was out of favour by like October, then oh, how much of a point really was there playing him like mid-November or December, knowing that he's probably off to Inter um, at some point in the transfer, I mean, some, some point in the transfer window. Obviously, that didn't happen, but now, now that he's going to be with us, uh, maybe, maybe. Well, I'll, I'll make the argument here. Yeah, that you're right with that assumption. Um Probably. I mean, we can't say for sure, but what I will say is Lampard will have in that uh, illustration that you just gave have thought, okay, Mishibash, why? It would be silly to put Giroud in front of him if he's leaving um, or give him the chance. He has been given several chances and people saying, well, he hasn't had enough chances. And I was one of that before this season, but he has had his cameos this season. Um and apart from the one goal they scored against Southampton, which was great, you know, great with Pulisic there uh, into play. But otherwise, he's been extremely wasteful. I can remember that one game where Reese James was putting one cross after another into the box and it wasn't working. be fair, Tammy Abraham yeah. hasn't been doing too well in that department either recently. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, you know, even though he's just, you know, a backup you'd want that backup to be able to at least pose a threat. And Mishibashwai, in the system we're playing, I just don't see how it makes sense. Because the thing is that Tammy Abram has is able to get in behind. Uh, he has got some pace on him. I mean, not against Leicester, said, because he was clearly still injured there. Um, but he's also a target man. He still has to bulk up a bit and learn to use his huge presence more. But he can be that as well. While um, with Mishibashwai, you've got this target man. And at the moment, he's not even able to really uh, play to that strength because he's not converting the chances that he's getting. Um, so in that regard, it's frustrating to watch him. There's no real uh, point in bringing him at the, from the bench at the moment because he's not yeah. causing any problems to our opponents. And Frank Lampard probably will have therefore sent a sign. I don't think he sent a sign to, sent a sign to the board as such with um, putting on Barkley, who was terrible, mind, yeah. uh, against Leicester City. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, not putting on Michi Bashwai, because that, for me, is a statement in regard to Bashwai. Not maybe to the board, because it's no secret that he wanted a striker. We all did. But... Um, I think that's a signal to Mishibash why you are not you are not good doing good enough at the moment. What I don't get is why he didn't then involve Giroud. Maybe because Giroud was still, you know, I the think whole so. thing the fallout, in terms of deadline yeah. day that it was still yeah. It was a it was but, a late you know, decision for him not to go. So yeah, exactly. sometimes so sometimes I, I do hope just doesn't right. Yeah. yeah, I do hope that is the reason and that we will be seeing him. Um, in the next two games, because as a plan B, if that's not working, you know, put Giroud on the on the field, or you know, if we're trailing, put Giroud on in the full with Tammy Abraham, and then just let um, Reese James put in one cross after another. As Pilaqueta can theoretically, when he's cutting in, put in a cross as well. Just do that, and then we have a plan B. 
because that was yeah. one of the things that I hated. I loved Sari, you know, um, and I did like the way we were playing, despite people saying it was dreadful, blah, blah. But one thing that I was always very critical of with him is that he just did not have a plan B, and I hated that. I like it when the manager is able to um, pull the rabbit out of the hat, so to speak. Um, yeah, yeah. And um, if Lampard can do that with plan B as well, Let's say, like, it is it's a very uh, mundane thing, you know, put on a big striker, very, you know, old-fashioned kind of way of playing football. But I don't care as long as we get top four, as long as we win the games. That's the most important thing. And if it's with punting the ball up front or, you know, crossing it in and then somehow heading it in or poking it, who cares? Yep. Fine by me. And Giroud's good for that. So yeah, yeah. I, I I agree. I, I would I would definitely prefer Giroud, even though he was bad the few times we did see him during the season up until now. But then Reese James wasn't established in the team, and he is gradually really establishing himself as a key part, someone that would be the first name on the team sheet um, because he's defensively sound, attacking wise he can really put uh, be a threat, and his crosses are just second to none at least in our team and uh, if he just will take a shot or two as he could have against Leicester uh, do that better then he'll be a very very fine maybe even world-class fullback especially if he is able to provide service for someone like Olivier Giroud yep yeah that that would be my opinion yeah um, I would like to ask you something Ram because this is something that I've been itching to ask you from the get-go uh there's been a lot of talk on twitter there's been a lot of talk about on twitter of course about frank lampard um being somewhat unhappy with how our transfer window ended uh we didn't sign anyone he clearly gave signals we need someone in that attacking department i think anyone can can notice that um do you think that that frank lampard really is uh, let's say unhappy with the board that he feels not uh, sufficiently uh, supported that in uh, that kind of mold. What 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 would you say? Because the general consensus is yes, he does. While other journos say no. But you know, I know that you're a very level-headed guy, and I'd really be interested in to hearing what you think. I think, I think I know what's happening in the sense that. Think of think of it from Lampard's point of view. Obviously, he wasn't allowed to strengthen his squad in one window, and the squad has clear deficiencies. Even though we've brought in three or four very talented young players, if you if you're excluding someone like Callum Hudson-Odoi, that is, you still you've still got to well replicate the output of someone like Eden Hazard. The not just the output, but the ability to change to change the game, flip it on its head with moments of individual brilliance. And while we did bring in Christian Pulisic uh, with a move, with a I mean, a move in May last January with a view to completion in the summer, he's also still young. So basically, Lampard is left with a bunch of suddenly he's left with a bunch of young players. The squad is now dependent on Tammy Abraham and Mason Mount and Christian Pulisic and Callum Hudson-Odoi, Reese James, Fikaya Tomori. How many have I just named there? It's dependent 
on them to give a nine on ten, ten on ten on ten performance every week in order for us to get results. That's just the way it is. Yeah. And when we're when you're talking about your our senior players, people like Jorginho, uh, sometimes they're just not they're just not on their game. Jorginho, Kovacic, even even someone like Aspeliqueta, who's uh, well known for being Mr. Dependable uh, for most part of his Chelsea career, they're all they're all very up and down. So, ideally, a manager would like to strengthen the squad. He would like to obviously none of our left backs are favoured. That's very clear. So, from Lampard's point of view, he has a squad with a lot of deficiencies. And while a manager should be able to work with whatever he has, fact of the matter is, it's his job that could be in jeopardy should something go egregiously wrong, isn't it? So, I think that whatever he says is genuine, but it's also a view, it's it's with a view to kind of safeguarding his own position in the public purview. And even as far as the board is concerned, because say we have had a good start, we find ourselves in the championship, in, in, in the Champions League positions. <laughs> Sorry, not championship. Mm. Um, yeah, that, by chance, that, I, by, I think you'd like that, but I don't. <laughs> Freudian, Freudian slip. <laughs> but say, say we find ourselves in seventh or eighth place come the end of the season. The board goes to Frank Lampard and they say, Frank, what's happened here? We were in the Champions mm. League places for so long. You've got to give us some answers. That's probably when he, he kind of tries to hold the board accountable as well and says that, my squad had a lot of deficiencies to work with. I was It was not an easy situation to manage. And in the given circumstances, I wouldn't say I've done a terrible job. So he has made it clear that the squad needs strengthening. And it's it's some safeguarding and it's some, it's some indication that expectations need to be toned down. So I think he's just, it's like giving everyone a universal wake-up call. I'm, I'm, I don't think that he's going to be, you know, miffed with the board in the way that Antonio Conte was or maybe Jose Mourinho was or is with whatever club he's working at. I don't think he's going to be very... He's not going to throw his toys out of the pram or anything like that. But, you know, just just their repeated words of caution, reinforcement. Uh, reinforcement, whether subconscious or gradually over a period of time, he's just reinforcing the fact that we're not in a place where we should be finishing top four automatically like we have been over the years. I think that's that's all there is to what he was saying. There is meaning to it. Uh but it it I, I wouldn't say that there were there are alarm bells or anything, like the way Conte used to talk, or the, even the way Sari used to talk. Yeah. Yeah. Well he was suffering, wasn't he? Well, yeah, Conte, yeah. He was suffering. Yeah, no, 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 no talk of suffering. <laughs> it's just yeah, it's just mm. pra, pra, it's just pragmatic talk. I don't see anything wrong with it. Uh, yeah, that was that was one thing. Uh, just on a on a related note, um, Giroud, the the tale of Giroud reminds me of two very left field transfers that I heard of. Uh, you probably heard of them as well. Did you hear of a young fullback from Wigan Athletic going to AC Milan? Yeah, there was something there, wasn't there? Yeah, Anthony um... Anthony Robinson. He used to play for Everton. He signed for Wigan Athletic on a permanent transfer in the summer and then mm. AC Milan wanted him. They, they they got Paolo Maldini to go and personally convince him to sign for AC Milan. Mm. Flew him over to Milan on a private jet and everything. And Suddenly something happened and 
well, contractual disagreements, transfer disagreements, something. But then, yeah, his his dream move broke down on the last day of the window. I'm imagining something like that happened for Giroud as well, which obviously makes his involvement understandable. He may be a prof- model professional and everything, but you're just probably not in the right frame of mind at that time. And I think Lampard alluded to as much in his post-match press conference after Leicester, saying that the break just probably comes at a good time for everyone, comes at a good time for Giroud, yeah. for him to recalibrate himself. So, yeah, that mm, was, and I think... Yeah. Uh, no, I was on just going to say... Of, <laughs> no, go on, go on. On that note it's, of a break coming good, on the break yeah. of the note coming good, I think we should have our first break. So we'll be right back. Right, so welcome back to Wayne Gardner Podcast. Um, after Jimmy and I kept stepping on each other's toes leading into the first break. <laughs> Sorry about that. What I, uh, Just as a final word on the transfer window, we went in looking at the left-back position, the winger position, perhaps centre-back, but that was a low priority, I guess, and striker. We ended up getting none of them. Squad is exactly the same as it was in the summer. Absolutely nothing has changed, except we now start the second half of the season with someone like Reese James and someone like Ruben Loftus-Cheek closer to, closer to coming back. So it's, it's, not, it's not all bad. I think we can live without having this transfer window. And on we go. Uh, the, the race for the top four still seems as hot potato as ever until Tottenham actually won yesterday, which was a very, very crazy game, by the way. Did you, did you watch it? Yeah, partially. Partially in the partially. end of the, fir- of the um, last 20 minutes of the first half and then the first few of the second. Yeah. Uh, was... Just before Bergwin scored, thankfully. Yeah. I was I was kind of, I had it on in the background and I was doing something else, and all these crazy moments just kept happening and I I had to, I had to keep watching after a certain point, it was just it was mad but but yeah what's happened is, Tottenham have, somewhat unceremoniously beaten Manchester City in in dubious circumstances, and yeah I think I think we're four points clear of Tottenham now and we're five points clear of Sheffield United who are in sixth place. Um, so I think the race for top four is heating up. We have a tough run of fixtures, which a really tough run of fixtures that we spoke about last time, which started with Leicester City. Mm. We drew to all, and I think we were somewhat lucky to have come away with that, but not so lucky because I just like to start talking about the game by saying that these things won't be recorded by something like a statistic like shots taken or even expected goals because that's dependent on shots taken but did you see the number of situations we worked the ball into the penalty area in the first half mm. the number of really good crosses that Reese James put in uh, that were quite frankly scuppered by some poor movement by Tommy Abraham or just a general lack of numbers in the box. I feel as if we missed out on an easy two goals in that manner because when Reese James was going, he was go he was he was wreaking havoc in the Leicester attacking third in the first 
20 to 25 minutes. He was just bombing forward and putting in amazing cross after cross. And it just wasn't there. The, the finishing touch wasn't there. I, it's, I, I hate to see situations like that because yeah. the situations that can easily be capitalized on and converted into goals, but then we just didn't do that. And it seemed like the same old thing happening happening again. And mm. well, I mean, what, what did you think? We eventually we needed we needed a couple of really good headers by Rudiger to to bail us out. But Leicester also had chances. They carved us they carved us up time and time and again. And um, they, they also missed some really good chances. I think Barnes missed an amazing chance. Uh, so I don't know. What did you do? You think it was a fair result, or did you think that Leicester were deserved winners on the day? So. Well, that's a difficult one because, I mean, they did have those two really, really pressing chances where you would have said, hey, how did they not score? Especially that Barnes one yeah. uh, in the second half, uh, which I'm still not quite sure how he didn't um, get that on target. But, you know, goalkeeper came out. Um, but the thing is that... Overall, I think we deserved the point. It was a fair result. Okay. Maybe Leicester City fans wouldn't agree um, because we were so dominant in the first half. The large we part were. of the first yeah. half. Um, the thing is, Tammy Abraham was clearly still injured. You know, he was playing through the pain. He said as much after the game on his yes, uh, social media. Yeah. And you could see that he was really struggling because he didn't want to risk his ankle. And I can understand that. And normally you'd think that these kind of articles with Tammy Abraham going to be asked to uh, play through the pain are rubbish. It really wasn't the case here, let's face it, because Lampard didn't really have another choice than to play. And that that says a lot, you know, that says a huge amount about what Frank Lampard currently thinks of Michy Bashwai. He didn't sub him on. uh, Instead, he subbed on... Barkley, and although Tammy Abraham was clearly nowhere near fit enough to start this game, yeah, he still didn't because Mishy Bashwai just isn't good enough, and it hurts me because I like him as a person. But you know, he's had so many chances now. He's been three years nearly, in, or it was three years ago that we bought him, yeah, and it's just it's. He's been great everywhere, but except at Chelsea. Uh, okay, barring that one Valencia. I think spell. he's been false nine by three managers now, hasn't he? Well, maybe, but that's just not him. And you know, that's fine. You know, he's he's a poacher. He's uh, one who's supposed to be in the enemy box and um, you know create the or uh, put those chances to bed. Then again, and this is really important. He doesn't do that at the moment for Chelsea. You know, he's supposed to be this great poacher, and he has been in the past. Also for Chelsea against, you know, someone like, I don't know, you know, cup games. But at the moment, he's just not not doing that either. So, as a result, we have the problem that our poacher is supposed to poach isn't poaching. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, what, what choice do we have? That's where Olivier Giroud has to come into play. We have no other choice, really. Let's let's be completely frank here. If we continue playing Tammy Abraham while he's not fit to play, then he might get injured, and then we're in real big trouble. Yeah. And I don't want that to be the case. I really, really don't, because 
an injury to Tammy Abraham in an area where we were supposed to reinforce ourselves, where we where it didn't, that would be that would be disastrous. And um, that's why I didn't really interpret much into Tammy Abraham uh, squashing all those uh, chances against uh, against Leicester because yeah. That was that, you know, he can do better. He knows that himself. He'll be the first to admit that. And, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, we'll just have to take that result. But as you mentioned, seeing that the run of games that we're going to have soon uh, <laughs> isn't going to make things any easier for us. We really needed a win there. Let, let's be perfectly honest. Here. We needed we that did, win. Yeah. But that and, was a tough um, game, wasn't it? Leicester, it or, was Leicester haven't been in good form, actually, exactly. as of late. But then... That's why this was the best chance to do it. Sorry, that's just one to have that said. Yeah, um, yeah. Evidently, we're not. Well, that's not the way we're doing things this season. Uh, yeah. If you look back to Everton and Bournemouth, yeah. So. But so there, there was something we discussed uh, last podcast, wasn't it, about there mm-hmm. being a mentality issue? Do you think that yeah. that kind of played in again over here because? We were, we went one 0 up, okay, all good. Mm. We were um, it was probably in accordance with the run of play. But then, uh, who who scored Leicester's first goal? Whose deflected shot was that? Harvey Barnes, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah it was. It probably shouldn't have. <laughs> it's it's that type of really annoying goal that goes in by a deflection, and the keeper can really really do nothing about it. Yeah, no, he and, he was he was uh, helpless there. He couldn't have done. Yeah, that so you can argue that that was unlucky, but mate, I I think that our heads kind of begin to drop noticeably after that because that was when Leicester started started to grow into the game, and they were in the ascendancy from that point onwards. And I think that's they when they started creating their chances. And I don't know what happens, but there's it, it's kind of worrying that we don't usually react very well to going well, down. Con- yeah, go, going down, basically. I'll tell you what, though. That's why I was happy that Rudiger scored. You know, it was two, uh, because that was something that we were lamenting last time. Oh, you know, the Chelsea of old, they would have had far more goals. Uh, that one could say, hey, we might actually uh, get a goal from a corner or a free kick, some kind of set piece. And uh, that was the case this time, which was nice to see. Then again, given the circumstances, of course, you would have wanted that uh, uh, secure a win and not a draw. Yeah. But Rudiger, his his goals were very well taken. But defensively, again, I didn't think he was that solid. Uh, I wasn't wasn't, confident when he was, you know, defending. Um, It's just, I don't know. I, what I did must say is when Christensen passes the ball, I don't think there was a single cross-field pass or, you know, a long uh, pass up front, which he missed, which I really did like. And there were a few from Rudiger where he tried that um, pass with uh, the outside of his boot where I thought, what the hell are you doing? Just do the easy <laughs> pass. And he I did. remember that one. And that yeah. really just drives me bloody insane. I'm sorry yeah. if pardon my French, but it's just, it's, yeah. I, I don't like that. It's the same with William when he tries to dribble out of our penalty box um, after clearing a, 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 you know, some kind of situation from a corner. It's just masochistic to do that. And as such, Rudiger should be well aware that he has to be 
it has to do better in those kind of situations. Yeah, but generally speaking, um, I thought, you know, Reese James was once again fantastic. I'm sure you'll agree with that. Uh, he was, yeah. He didn't, I, I can't remember if it was Harvey Barnes who played on that left side. Yeah. Uh, yeah he didn't really let him have any fun, so to speak. Uh, he was he was good. He was very good, putting some really great crosses again. I, th- um, I think that Reese James yeah. uh, was there. He had a couple of shaky moments defensively. Uh, I think during the second goal, he mm. was. I think he kind of gave up on his chase, and that was. Well, I think I think young players are going to have those moments, but yeah. it, it it's it's kind of weird to see for me because. At the championship level, he was so dominant against any attacker that came up against him, and I, I, th- I still think That's that the Premier League. Eh? No, yeah, no, for sure. There's, there's always going to be an adaptation thing, but I think the one-on-one Reese James is almost unbeatable, like Juan Bissaka. Mm. But when, when it comes to recovery or keeping up with the pacey winger who maybe has a head start on you. Uh, that's where he could probably improve there and positionally. I think Lampard pointed out pointed that out as well. Mm. So while Reese James had an amazing game offensively, he's he's added a different dimension to our game as an offensive threat. I've got to say that uh, defensively he can improve. Uh, he will definitely improve. But yeah, he's 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 a huge asset to the side. And just as you were mentioning on Christensen, I really agree with you there. I think he he's quietly quietly having some sort of upturn in form, isn't he? He's quietly being impressive. I think. Wouldn't yeah. you agree? I, I I'd say so as well. He's uh, these issues that he was having um, confidence-wise. That's yeah. just not the case at the moment, which is good to see. I, I mean, he's been given a run, and that's, it that's was giving him confidence. Yeah. Yeah. There was one. Yeah, that that's a good point. You know, he is having for the first time in quite a few or in quite a long time, he's actually having a run of games where he's able yeah. to prove his worth. But what one also has to say is that. Um, you know, he, he doesn't really make mistakes. Maybe maybe it's Lampard also who's giving him confidence. Yeah. Never Could know. be. Yeah. I'd I'd and, like to see yeah. I'd like to see Christensen and Tomori in the next match. I still well, think still think is our best defender. I do as well. I'd really for me the Christensen Tomori um partnership is one that I've been talking about in the predicted or preferred lineups of the community for ages now. Yeah, yeah, I just yeah. think that maybe the argument of them not being physical enough <laughs> depends on the matchup. We can always put in a Rudik or someone else into that. But one thing I will say is that I'm quite surprised that uh, Kurt Zuma is so out of favour at the moment. Yeah. Um, because he was uh, Lampard's favourite or one of the first ones, or one who always played, let's say, like that. Yeah. Um, before like December or late December, actually. So it's interesting how that's developed. Um, he clearly seems to rate Christensen, um, despite those rumors emerging at yeah. one point in the season. But so yeah, I, th- I think good. it's interesting that we can see we can see the development of a clear meritocracy among the four defenders. That's that's mm. how I'm seeing it because there was a spell when Tomori was first choice defender, and then Tomori was out of the side. He, mm. I mean, he, he's still out of the side for Premier League games at the moment. Mm. But, yeah, I, I think that pecking order has been changing all season. And yeah. uh, that's f- for a change. Uh, to each his own. But 
I can I think that's kind of refreshing to see. Evidently, Lampard is factoring in a number of things while making these decisions. He's staying in mm-hmm. on a game by game basis, uh, performances in training and the, the the whole nine yards. So that's that's good to see. Although I would like to Very see Chikmori yeah. on the left and Christensen on the right. I think, yeah, I, I think that's our strongest pairing at the moment. And mm-hmm. um, anything else we need to go through? Yeah, Callum Hudson Odoi. Uh, okay. He was okay. I think he had some bright moments in the start, where he made there was a really really positive run he made into the into the penalty area at the start. But then he was he he didn't sustain a constant level of threat throughout the game. And I think I think we're yeah. missing Pulisic now because yeah, I, yeah. I, I I I don't know how I, I thought Pedro was okay for one half and then he was just he was terrible. I'm sorry, I don't think he was <laughs> even good for the one. You know, I Pedro has earned all the plaudits he gets it from the past you know he was a phenomenal player yeah um and you know the most decorated one if i'm not mistaken in the premier league you know rightfully so <laughs> however he is clearly off the boil nowadays he hasn't I'm, been able to yeah that's something that a lot of people have been asking you know why did lampard start him it doesn't make a lot of sense really because what why why? I, I, I'm still asking myself. That makes no sense, but... I'm, I'm just putting it down to Pedro working working his socks off in training. That, that's, how, that's how I like him to come up with that. Maybe. Maybe. But we, which is good to see in, in a way, but then it's also not good to see him doing what he does on the pitch now with all due respect. So Yeah. Uh, well, much. yeah. So <laughs> th- There was that. Our, our, our wingers weren't particularly on top form on the day. And, and I hope I hope Pulisic comes back soon because I, I miss his directness. I miss the way he yeah. just the ball sticks to him in the penalty area. I love that. I love that about Christian Pulisic. Uh, so, yeah. He, he's one of those guys that can create something out of nothing. And that is he can, me, yeah. uh, something that we were lacking, not only yeah. on Saturday, but generally. So, um yeah, I, I fully agree. Once he comes back, that'll be a huge boost. And I think we've spoken about the Leicester game a bit now, but before we, you know, get into the, well, this is already the end phase of our episode because we're going to keep it a bit shorter. Yeah. Today. <laughs> um, what one has to say is, okay, what's going to be up next? You know, because we have a few tough games up and we have a break now. You know, this is the first time of uh, winter break. You know, nothing that can compare to the likes of Germany or, haha, or here in Austria, you know, it's so, uh, uh-huh. far longer, you know. It just oh, it's so long. It's, it's only coming back on the 14th, isn't it? Oh, is it still not started? Well, that's... No, it's coming back on the 14th. It's about, very, about. very annoying. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I I know that people are very much annoyed by this. Uh, yeah. I just you know, as someone who isn't actively supporting a team in, in Austria yeah. for several reasons. Um, it's a kind of the thing that we are lucky that it's just a week. And this is a good time because Rumloft's cheek has been confirmed. He'll be back after the winter break. Yes. That is a huge boost. Of course, we can't yes. say for sure how will he be playing, how well will he be playing. But nevertheless, that is, that is fantastic. It really is something that can uh, boost morale. Uh, we need him now for the last few months of the season. And... Um, Christian Pulisic will be back. And for me, if they are fit enough, then uh, they 
get straight into the starting lineup. You know, no doubt. And may I just say once again, I know people will say I have an agenda against William, um, but when he is at, starts on the bench, he just doesn't play well. I he don't know why. Yeah. I don't. I can't say for sure why, but it just isn't the case. I've noticed that. Yeah. And um, as such, I'm really happy that it's for him to just, you know, start together with Christian Pulisic. Although I must say, I actually think that we'd be a better serve playing with, um, what do we call it? Hudson-Odoi and, uh, and Christian Pulisic. That's yeah. pace. They can cut inside. They've got the trickery. I know William has pace and trickery as well, but it just for the future, it makes sense to have them start and not William, um, even if he isn't that good off the bench. But Room yeah. loves cheek. That's, of course, great. I, I, I'm ecstatic about that, and I'm sure you'll be the same. I will. Although, although I will I will urge you to not throw caution to the wind uh, with regards to Ruben after cheek because we saw we saw just how long it took Callum hudson to, to have yeah. that spring back in his step Very after much. coming back from his injury. And Callum came back in effectively half the time that Ruben did. And, yeah, his injury was nowhere as severe as Ruben's was. Yeah, you, uh, you're, you, right. you're right. You read about how his calf calf muscles were effectively halved in size. So yeah, uh, although it would be amazing to have Loftus Cheek back, no one offers a threat like he does in our midfield. It would be a very welcome return for him, but uh, I don't expect him to look at his best until the very very last stretch of the season. That's yeah, mm. that's what I'd say. And well, that, you're right. Yeah. That note, we should probably head into a break before we enter the final segment for this episode. Yes. Welcome back to We Ain't Got No Podcast. And before we go on to discuss the next game that Chelsea have in store, just a small section to talk about the players who have left the club on loan in January, as well as a small update on a couple of players who have been on loan already. So, obviously, I'm doing this to compensate for my lack of weekly loan roundups on the website itself. <laughs> I apologize for that, uh, but life has sort of gotten in the way. I am I am writing a season progress article, though. Hopefully, I will finish that. Hopefully, life will not come in the way again. But, yeah. Over the weekend, Swansea drew one all with Preston, Preston North End. And Mark Gurhey and Conor Gallagher, both of our boys... They started, Conor Gallagher put in his usual usual really energetic performance, looking a bit like Obi-Wan Kenobi from Star Wars. And he played a nice hockey assist in the lead-up to Ryan Brewster's goal. Ryan Brewster, also formerly of um, Chelsea Leanings. He was in the Cobham, he was in the Cobham Academy till the age of 14, I think, before being released or before leaving. Uh, Conor Gallagher played a really nice through ball after a little shimmy past Preston North End player, and I think he's going from strength to strength. Marker, he had an okay game. He had some flimsy moments on the ball, but he is acclimatizing to life in regular senior football, and I have no doubt that he's going to start more games with Swansea, and he is going to improve, go from height to height. Shavo Chaloba played for Huddersfield. Jay Clark Salter started for Birmingham. He's back from injury. Um, I think that's about it for notable loan performances over the weekend with respect to other things 
Tariq Lamte has left the club. He's gone to Brighton and Hove Albion. He was supposed to go on loan to Blackburn Rovers, actually. Uh, Tony Mowbray spoke of how Lamte was supposed to go there until Brighton came in at the last minute, and Lamte made up his mind at the last minute to actually go to Brighton for a sum of about three to five million. I'm not sure on the exact number, but is yeah, that, that's sorry. Is that already including the um, the sum that we get for training him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's oh, uh, okay. yeah. So I, I think it goes to six million max, but yeah, Lamte has gone to Brighton. He will probably be contending for place on their first team squad, playing a right wing back, although he has competition in Shaloto and Montoya over there, but it would be pretty cool to see him playing for Graham Potter's side. I feel as if that style of football really suits him. He needs dribblers on on the wing. So Lamte has departed, which is quite sad for us all, especially given how, how well he did against Arsenal lately. And he seemed to be getting integrated in the first team, but it is what it is. He he wanted to play football. Reese James was ahead of him in the packing order. It's it's a it's a, it's a tough order, tough order to deal with. So, all the very best is to Ray Clamte. and Clinton Mola, another really highly regarded prospect who can play as a box to box midfielder, holding midfielder, and a centre back as well. Very handy with the with the ball at his feet. Um, strong, left footed. Uh, very very big part of the development squad in recent times. Quitted himself very well in the leasing.com games against EFL sites. He has left for VFP Stuttgart on a another permanent deal. His contract was also out in the summer of 2020, and he obviously wants to play football. So, I mean, there is there is really nothing a player can do when a side in Germany comes and says, we're going to give you first-team football now. So you can either do that or you can stay waiting for your chance at Chelsea, go out on loan five or six times. So... It's understandable that Clinton Mola has gone there. Stuttgart have just let go of Santiago Asasibar, if I pronounce that correctly, to Hertha Berlin. So they have a vacancy in defensive midfield. They see him as a defensive midfielder. They've given him the number six, for crying out loud, uh, reminiscent of how Dortmund gave Jaden Sancho the number seven. So we've lost Clinton Mola. We've lost Jerry Lamte. Jacob Maddox has gone to Southampton on loan with view to permanent. His... I believe one of his family members is an under-23 coach over there, so it makes sense that he's having a sort of extended trial period. And just uh, the last couple of loans to report were George McEachern going on to SC Cambuur Leeuwarden in the Eerste Divisie, which is the second division in Netherlands. That's probably going to suit him a lot better than EFL football, given he's a little slight of frame, but a very technical player. And lastly, Charlie Brown has gone on loan to the second division in Belgium to... Union SG, which is, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to try to pronounce that because my, you know, pardon my French. Uh, Union SG, co-owned uh, by the man who owns Brighton, Tony Bloom. So that should be interesting. Hopefully Charlie Brown can score some goals over there. So yeah, that was my not-so-short loan roundup section. <laughs> so we can, we can now move on. We can move on past my boring monologue and discuss Chelsea's next game, Jimmy. <laughs> Please take it away. I think we're just going to make this keep this really short here. Um, yeah. Chelsea's next game is only in two weeks, and we're going to have an episode before that. So uh, the next game is against Man United, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Um, at, at home. Yeah, that's yep. not Monday necessarily night. a good thing nowadays. <laughs> yeah. Monday but, night. No, no one yeah. likes Monday night. Yes, we we've had 
some weird results on Monday nights in the past, if I remember correctly. But, yeah. um, you know, Man United isn't in a good place themselves at the moment. I think if there was ever time for us to play against them at home, it will probably be now. Um, yeah, I mean, I can see already now happening that, like, Igalo is going to score a brace against us or a tattrick. But let's hope that doesn't <laughs> happen. Um, yeah, no, generally speaking, I think, uh, you know, we've got a good chance of beating them. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see. But I'm sure we'll be talking about that next week again. But um, yeah. Yeah. What, what do you think? Oh, well, I, I hope we. I hope we beat them to the ground as always. <laughs> uh, we are we are due to beat them actually. They are due a thrashing from us. They've that they've beaten true. us. Yeah, they've they've kind of had the better of us twice Very already true. this season. Uh, in well, circumstances that have been quite annoying. <laughs> Arguably, the scoreline flattered them in the first fixture, and the the Carabao Cup game was obviously also very annoying. So I hope. I hope we beat them. I think we, I think we'll come back in freshly motivated, reinvigorated side after a break, just one week where everyone has a week away from each other. As Frank Lampard said, sometimes you need that. You need some space, and hopefully we come back a fresher side, raring to go, and we will outfight, outthink, and outrun them. The three O's, the Holy Trinity. <laughs> So, yeah, that's that's just a bunch of completely non-tactical stuff that I hope happens. So, not not the most astute insights over there. A lot of wishful thinking, but I said, I said yeah. we've got a whole episode to talk about that. Next exactly, time. exactly. Not so, a whole one, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so we're not we're not going to spend too much time on that. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think we've we've covered a very diverse range of things. On this podcast, haven't we? From Audio Nigaro oh, to oh. Anthony Robinson to Clinton Mola, and yeah, well, the, the, the Austrian from the Austrian, Chelsea stuff, from the Chelsea yeah. stuff to the letter. There, there was there stuff. was some Chelsea <laughs> stuff in between. There was also the infuriating matter of the Austrian Bundesliga coming back only on the fourteenth, only on the fourteenth. Outrageous, <laughs> yes, outrageous. That, that is outrageous. A, a man's got to watch his prospects. So yeah, if yeah. If, <laughs> wow yeah okay in your case otherwise no one wants to see this um but yeah you know that that's pretty much it for us from us for this week um yeah maybe next week i guess we'll see you know maybe. community's yeah. been a bit quiet here slacking around uh yeah. so maybe one of you okay, we, we've been doing okay i'm sure our angelic voices are enough for people to tune in but, you know, if anyone, of course, does feel as if he wants to contribute and be a part of this podcast, then by all means, comment in the comment section below and we'll get in touch. Until next week, though, uh, that's all from us, as said. And let's hope everyone recovers well, as hopefully we will as well from this few difficult weeks. And that's it. OK, see you next time. Bye bye.